Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Bible study. I'm Matthew Johnson, lead pastor here at the Tree Church. And today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33. And I'll just start off by saying that this might be the easiest Bible study I've ever done. And I was actually just talking to Pastor Chris before I started this recording, and I told him, uh, Chris, if you don't know, is the one who assigns the different passages and the different days uh, for the different pastors to, uh, to teach on these things. And I told him, I said, this one is so easy because it not only just tells us what happened, it tells us the why. And so it, it basically explains itself. But what I'm going to do today is go over it, maybe just kind of point out a couple of things you might not know or might not understand about the context but then I'm going to give us just a little bit of application. I think that's really the power in the Word of God is not just to hear the description of what happened, but to understand how that truth impacts our life. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, and uh, and then I'll just start teaching as I go. It says, And they came again, they being the religious leaders, and they came again to Jerusalem. And as Jesus was walking in the temple, the chief priests and scribes and elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? So let's pause. What, what are these things that they're questioning Jesus about? So Jesus had this very tense relationship with the religious leaders because of the way they acted, because of their hard hearts. The religious leaders would have been a group of Pharisees, would have been a group of Sadducees. These were different religious groups that were the main teachers and authority when it came to the Jewish community, but they were very legalistic. Uh, they taught uh, a works-based type of understanding of who God is and how you relate to God. They also were very much in it for their own glory. They liked to be respected and acknowledged by the people, so they were constantly battling Jesus because Jesus taught differently than them. Jesus was gaining in notoriety, even though that wasn't necessarily his ultimate goal, though he wanted people to know who he was and, and the truths of what he taught. They felt that he was a threat to them, so they were constantly at war with Jesus. But specifically, what they're addressing is just prior to this story, Jesus cleansed the temple. Jesus drove out people from the temple. And you can see that just in the earlier part of chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. Jesus cleared the temple. And we know in Scripture that he did this two separate times. He did this once at the beginning of his ministry and then once at the end of his ministry. And the question of, of why Jesus did it, Jesus wasn't just driving people out because they were selling stuff. I've heard people have a misunderstanding of this passage, and that's what they said, that they were selling things in the temple and they shouldn't have been. That's not actually the case. What was going on, and, and I'm not trying to rehash a, a previous Bible study, just to give you some context of why these men were upset for this passage, is uh, there were people that would sell stuff because the Jewish community would come to the temple multiple times through the year to celebrate the feasts and the festivals, and then whenever they could, they wanted to come to the temple because that was the place you could make the sacrifices that were needed for their sins. According to the law of God, they would have to bring specific types of sacrifices to offer at the temple, but they had to be in even a, a specific condition. They couldn't be animals that were with defects or that were sick or that were injured in any way. So these Jews that were traveling great distances it would be impossible for those animals to be in a good condition. It would also make the traveling very difficult. So what they would do instead is they would bring finances to purchase the animal to then make the sacrifice. This was absolutely okay in the eyes of God. What became the thing that offended Jesus is in this area around the temple where they were selling it, instead of treating the people with honesty and fairness, 
they were deceptive. So the religious leaders blessed this practice because they would have made money on this. They allowed the people who were selling things to charge an ex- just really a, a crazy amount, an unrealistic, unfair amount uh, for the animals. But then also there was a deception in it that they would make them take their Roman money and exchange it for the Jewish money, but then they would give them bad exchange rates. So what these individuals were doing was robbing the people. So when Jesus cleared out the temple, he drove them out and said, instead of this place being a house of prayer, you made my father's house a place where there's a den of robbers, where you guys are being unethical. So he drove them out. So when Jesus did this, what he was doing was two things that offended the religious leaders. He was exercising his authority. He was placing himself not just above the sellers. He was placing himself above the religious leaders who were allowing this. And so that was the first thing. The second thing is when he drove them out, he was actually impacting their livelihood because they were a part of this deception that was going on. So they come to Jesus and they say, who gave you the authority to do this? They saw themselves as the authority. So they're questioning Jesus, challenging Jesus. So he responds to them. This is verse 29. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. And so here's the question he posed to them. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? So let's, let's pause there. The baptism of John. John came preaching a baptism of repentance. Repentance means to change your mind. John was confronting people on their sin and which meant that they were embracing a way of thinking and living, and he was preaching a baptism of repentance. What that means is he was calling people to be baptized. What is baptism? Is when you would go into a body of water, totally submerge yourself, and it was signifying that you were dying to something to now live for something new. And so his message was one of repentance. So in John's baptism, you were going into the water saying, I'm dying to the way I used to think and live, Now I'm repenting to line up with what the Scripture says, with what God has for us, and I'm now going to live that way. So John preached a message of repentance. So Jesus asked these religious leaders, was John's message, was his ministry, was it from heaven or from man? He says, answer me. And they discussed it with one another. In verse 31 it says that. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they were afraid if they said that it was from heaven, then Jesus would go, then why didn't you listen to him? But if they said, well, it's from man, then the people would get so fired up because they saw John as a prophet. And so they they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to him, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. In this moment, Jesus wasn't simply being clever, though it was very clever. It was, a, it was a great way to avoid this trap. Jesus obviously had supernatural wisdom, so he, he just handled this situation perfectly. But Jesus was actually making a point. The reason the religious leaders did not accept John's message is John targeted them. John rebuked them. When he saw them, at one point he referred to them as a brood of vipers, like a a nest of vipers, a community of vipers, of snakes. And this was very insulting to anyone. This was, um, uh, again, it was just not a, a complimentary term. John was attacking their lack of understanding of God's Word and how it applies to people's lives. And because John attacked them, they rejected John. 
they saw themselves above all else, so they did not humble themselves at all. What Jesus was addressing was this reality in their own minds and hearts. They had an inability to publicly confess if John was from heaven or not from heaven, because by doing so, they would have to truly reflect on the message that he preached, which condemned them. Not just them, because John was preaching a message of repentance through the, the masses, and many people were coming and being baptized, but they would have to confront it in their own life, and they didn't want to do that. And, and when we look at this, John's message of rebuke to them should have been a warning to them. And, and here's what I want to give some application. So this is kind of like just like a, a mini-sermon to us. We have to have a heart that is a, tr- a truly a seeking heart, an open heart, uh, a heart that is a, open to correction. So when this is being recorded, I'm on Sunday teaching through the book of Malachi. Malachi is a book of correction. It's literally God correcting his people. What we've acknowledged in this series for us as a church is that correction is difficult. It requires humility. It requires us being open to the reality that maybe we are doing something wrong, we know it's wrong, and we're getting called out, and there's some embarrassment there. But we might be doing something we think is correct, but it's not. And so we have to have the humility to recognize it. Is it still embarrassing? Sure, it can be embarrassing. But we have to have that humble heart. And when Jesus is confronting them, that's his ultimate desire, for them to have a humble heart, for them to say, okay, is there any truth in this correction? Is there any truth in this rebuke? When John was confronting them, that should have been their proper response. They should have said, okay, let us wrestle with it. And I know in our lives, there are times that people can correct us and be completely wrong. There are times that people can correct us and be totally right. And there are many times it's somewhere in the middle. They might get elements correct. They might get elements wrong. There might be times that they get wrong something, but we can still learn from it. I know I've learned that in my life. I've learned at times that that even though someone might say something that in and of itself is not completely true or maybe it's totally uh, false in the information, but I can still learn by what they what offended them maybe a better way to communicate, maybe a better way to handle a situation. Then there are times that someone says something, and, and you know you're wrong, and you have to admit that. There's sometimes people say something, and you go, man, I didn't see it that way at all. That was a blind spot, and you have to kind of wrestle with it. And I know in my life, when I have that posture, the Holy Spirit will oftentimes show me the truth. And, and that's not pleasant in the process, but the result of it is beneficial, because if I have humility— then I'm going to change and I'm going to grow from that and hopefully not re- not repeat that mistake uh, ever again, hopefully, but not as, not as often, and I'll be sensitive to it. But we have to ask the question in our lives, are, are we true seekers? And that's what the Pharisees were not. They came to Jesus and they asked this question not because they were true seekers. They weren't looking for the truth. They were trying to trick Jesus. But the question I would ask us is, and, and I, I think I've hit this a few times through these Bible studies, But are we truly seeking God? Do we have an open heart? I'll give you some characteristics of someone that's truly seeking. An open heart. An open heart just says, I'm ready. God, show me new things. Teach me new things. Allow me to see the blind spots of my heart. Allow me to have humility. I think true seekers are willing to ask difficult questions and to receive difficult questions. To ask questions of people, did I do that correctly? Am I doing what is pleasing, what is right? to invite inspection from someone else, to invite someone to evaluate things you're doing. 
to be willing, if someone asks you a difficult, difficult question, to engage that process. I mean, this is what people who are truly seeking God, who have humble hearts, this is what they do. I think you have to have, to have to have open ears to listen to not just the words that someone says, but the heart behind it. If you're part of our church, you've probably heard me say this before, but this is one of the, the main things I had to learn in my marriage, is not just to hear the words that my wife Mary says to me, but to hear the heart behind it. Because there are times I could argue with the specifics of what she was saying, but I can never argue with her heart. If she was offended, if I somehow wounded her, if I somehow created insecurity in her life, I wanted to hear her heart so that I could understand her words better. We have to have open ears if we're true seekers of God to say, God, I want to I want to listen. I want to hear your heart. I want to connect to what you want. And if we will have that humble posture, God's promises to, t- to talk to us, to teach us, to guide us into truth. And this is what the Pharisees missed. And so Jesus basically said to him, I'm not going to engage your question. You're not true seekers. You don't have open hearts. You're just trying to trap me. So he played the situation perfectly, but because they would not engage the process, he goes, well, then I'm not going to answer. And friends, that would be the most devastating reality for us, to have hard hearts, closed ears, not willing to engage difficult questions. And as a result, God no longer deals with us, no longer engages us, because as it says in the scripture, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. If you hear the voice of God, you have to walk in obedience. And so this is the challenge for today. Will we have open hearts? Will we truly seek after God? Will we embrace him with humility? And uh, this is the example, and this is the challenge that he gives us. Everyone, I pray that this Bible study was a blessing to you. And always uh, feel free to share this with your friends and family so it can be a blessing to them. And I hope to see you on Sunday. God bless.